Now, you guys can keep greeting. I'm very comfortable. <laughs> I love the fact that for this series, we put a couch up here. Um, I'm really thinking I'll just sit here. The problem is, I'm pretty certain I, I will fall asleep, even to my own message. So, um, um, you know, Dave is out today, and uh, if you're new and you've been around Grace Point only for the last couple of months, you may not know this. We have another guy. Um, Jay Button has, is our pastor of Connection. Jay has been on a three-month sabbatical, and so we're excited for Jay to come back uh, just in, I don't know, this, later this week, I think, or, or next week after Thanksgiving. So um, we're excited to have Jay back with us, and so you can look forward to him as well. And um, we are continuing this series that we're calling Relativity. And it's a series that we intentionally set out to be very practical about relationships and we, we have this couch here uh, because it symbolizes that oftentimes we have a lot of relationships in our lives that we just need to sit down and talk to people, right? That we need to work on these relationships that, relationships that we have that we need to uh, get beyond the, the, the mobile device, the smart device, whatever, and we need to sit down and maybe have a conversation with someone. And as we get into the holidays, there's going to be more people that we're going to be talking with, maybe folks that we haven't seen in a while, family, you know, others. And so this series was geared specifically to give us all some tools, all some help, because we could all do better at our relationships. One of the things I think that has been lost in our culture, in our society, with the increased use of phones, right, is that we always have this phone with us, at least for me, right? Confession time. I always have my phone on. It's on me right now. And so there's always this temptation that I'm checking emails, I'm reading emails, I'm replying to emails, I'm deleting a whole lot of emails, right? There's always this thing that I, just draws me in. And oftentimes what I find for myself is I miss out on the people that I see in the room because I'm focused to the people I see online. Why is that? Why do we miss the people that we see in the room and, and instead we focus on those we see online? You see, the quality of our relationships is not measured by the quantity of likes, comments, or mentions. The quality of our relationships is not measured by the number of likes, comments, or mentions that we get on our social media, the number of uh, text messages we receive, the number of phone calls we get, emails, whatever it is. That's not the measure of our relationship. It's about concern and care and love for one another. And so this week is Thanksgiving. And so maybe like you, um, you'll be traveling to go visit family. Or maybe some of you, uh, you will be having family come uh, to invade your home. I, I mean visit. They'll be visiting your home. Uh, but oftentimes, right, I know when we have company, it feels like an invasion sometimes. We gotta hunker down. We gotta get everything ready, right, before they show up in the driveway. We gotta clean the linens, we gotta polish the silver, particularly with Thanksgiving dinner, we gotta polish the silver, we gotta get the good china out, we gotta get the extra towels, good tablecloth. We're not using paper plates anymore, we're using real plates. You know, so all of these things we've gotta work on to get ready. And there's a lot of stuff to do. The stress level begins to rise as we prepare for the holidays, as families start coming. 
But I don't know about you. For me, it's not so much the work of the holidays that, that get me stressed. I already have enough work to do. I already have plenty of work to do. Lots of work doesn't stress me out sometimes. What stresses me out, usually around the holidays, are those extra grace required people. You know who I'm talking about. Those faces are coming to mind. Their names are coming to mind. You're thinking, oh, that's right. They're going to be at my house. You know, and so that's what gets me stressed, is knowing the usual suspects that are going to be there at the holidays. Now, maybe for you, it's not family. You know, this time of year, we do a lot of company picnics or company Christmas dinners and parties and department parties and then company parties and then, you know, all these other things. And so you start thinking about the people that you're going to meet there. There's that guy from accounting. Everybody knows him. Nobody likes him. Or there's the lady from, from HR, right? She keeps her eye on us like the eye of Sauron from <laughs> Lord of the Rings, making sure we're compliant, right? Or there's the IT guys. They always come with their geek humor. They come up out of the basement, first off. You haven't seen them in a while. They come up out of the basement. They have their geek humor. You don't understand any of it. Um, talk to me. I'll help you out. I'm well-versed in, in geek humor. But, right, these are relationships that we have in our lives, whether it's at home, in our family, or at work. And we could all use some help to get us through the holidays, to get us through how do we work with these people? How do we, hand, how do, we do it in such a way that is healthy and godly? in working through with these relationships. Now, fortunately, you know, not all of these people show up at once, and so we get a break every once in a while. But I'm going to guarantee, I, I think I can guarantee, that you will meet five individuals, and we're going to introduce you to them this morning, five individuals that you will encounter this holiday season. Okay? The first is Debbie Downer. Debbie, for Debbie, everything is negative never has a positive thing to say. Debbie is always focused, I mean, focused on the ills of society or what's wrong with this generation. But sometimes Debbie moves away from just someone's um, mistakes that they've made and she'll begin focusing more things on like their race or their culture or if this generation would just do that. There's never a positive word from Debbie. The second person is challenging Charlie. And Charlie, everything's a competition. It doesn't matter what it is, it's a competition. There's always some sort of competition going on. Usually he's trying to one-up you on something or everything, right? Doesn't matter where you go on vacation. You could be sitting around the table. Oh, we're thinking about going so and so, such and such place for vacation. Well, I went there and tell you what, we did this and it was way better. Or, I have the latest iPhone. Have you seen the latest iPhone? Whatever it is, Charlie's always trying to one you up. It could be about his kids in Little League or ballet or whatever it is. Charlie's always trying to one you up. The second person, or a third person, is judgmental Judy. Now, Judy is very critical. Very critical. Judy, everybody, uh, nobody can do anything right in Judy's mind. But where Judy crosses the line is that it moves from talking about someone's um, uh, perhaps a mistake or you know, their character or their personality. It shifts into character, right? She's super critical about race, culture, um, 
personality, their upbringing, that's what's wrong with them, all those kinds of things. You need to watch out for Judy. Escaping Ethan. Ethan, if you didn't see Ethan walk in the room, you may not even know Ethan was there. <laughs> Ethan sits in the corner, usually with his earbuds in, one device or multiple devices on his person. He has his phone permanently attached to his hand, playing a game or on social media or listening to music or doing any number of things. He's trying to escape from the stress or from the family or from reality. We see Ethan. And the last is Mopey Toby. And Mopey Toby will be the first to tell you that he doesn't like to complain. He doesn't like to talk about his life, how it's in shambles. But we all know that Mopey Toby loves to talk about his life. He loves to talk about all the troubles that he has with his marriage, with his kids, with his job, with his finances. And Mopey Toby is just, he always is talking. We all know Toby's troubles. Sometimes Toby, though, it He'll be quiet, and he will be moping around a little bit, but it's like the elephant in the room. Everybody knows what's going on with Toby, but nobody's talking about it. And that can increase the stress level at holidays as well. So you may meet all five of these people during the uh, Thanksgiving season or through the holiday season. You may meet um, them as five separate individuals. There's other people you may meet. Maybe that one or two people have all five of these combined into them. And so you're thinking, oh my goodness, please tell me you have good news for us. Please tell me there's good news. And if you can't think of anybody who's one of these five, it's probably you. <laughs> That's okay, there's good news for you too. Um, we have, uh, today, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. And you can turn to Romans chapter 12. It's page 1049. And you can turn in one of the Bibles that's there on the seats with you, near you, or if you have one on your, uh, on your seat or you brought it with you or on your device. Just don't get too attached to it. And um, you can bring up uh, Romans 12. Now, Paul, in this letter, he's writing to the church in Rome, which is made up predominantly of, of Gentiles. They didn't grow up under the Jewish law. And this is during the reign of Nero. That's important, so remember that later on. This is under the reign of Nero, and Paul spends the first good part of the book of Romans talking about the relationship between Jew and Gentile and how they relate to one another in the plan for God, uh, God's plan for redemption. Romans chapter 12, he begins by saying that we should present our bodies, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's how he begins Romans chapter 12. We're going to skip down to verse number 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul starts off right away by saying, let love be genuine. Let your love be sincere, undisguised. Let it be a genuine kind of love. And the word that he uses here is agape. And in the Greek language, there were a number of words for love, and we lose some of that in our English 
uh, language. But this word is like a self-sacrificial kind of love, sort of like the highest form of love that you can show. And Paul's saying, let this love be genuine. We've all seen love that's not genuine, right? We've all seen love that tries to win out or gain advantage or for appearance sake or whatever it is, right? We've seen what insincere love looks like. Paul's saying, let your love be genuine. In fact, this is the same word that Jesus uses in John 13, 35, when Jesus says, uh, as a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. But this, uh, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us, that is how we are to love others. And that is what Paul is saying here. Let your love be sincere, be genuine. So he continues. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. You know, when I think of uh, this phrase, abhor what is evil, it has this idea of to have a horror of, of evil. To have a horror of it. It should be so disturbing for us that we have this horror of it. We, uh, some of your translations may say hate what is evil. There are plenty of evils in this world. And unfortunately... In recent weeks, we've seen some of that evil all over the news. But there are other evils that exist, evils of racism and human trafficking, exploitation of women and children, corruption. The list goes on. Sometimes it's easier to list out the evils of the world than it is to list out the good. And I think what Paul is saying that we have the evils, yes, abhor the evils, but hold fast to what is good. The word he uses here for hold fast is the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew 19, 13, where he says, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife. Should hold fast to your wife. Cling on for dear life to what is good. That's what John, or that's what Paul is saying here. Don't dwell on the evil. Instead, hold fast to what is good like your life depends on it. Hold fast to the good that God is doing in this world. There are good things, and hold on to them. Don't dwell on the evil. Paul continues. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. And here Paul uses a slightly different word than what he used earlier. This word is where we kind of get the, the phrase um, brotherly love, Philadelphia. Um, it's from this word that, that's used. And so this also, the other word that he uses here is, is a reciprocal kind of love, like a parent and child kind of love. It's reciprocal. And I think that the reason why Paul uses different versions of the word love here is because he understands that in our relationships, we're going to love people differently. It's, we can't love everybody with a self-sacrificial love, although we may be called to that. It's really hard to do that. And so this kind of love, this reciprocal kind of love, this brotherly kind of love is to have a love that is respectful towards one another, to work together, that we can be brothers together. Love one another with brotherly affection. Then he says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. And this can look 
differently, right? We can show honor in a lot of different ways. And what Paul is saying here in this, um, the words that he uses actually, it says outdo in our language, but really the word that this means in the original Greek is take charge in showing honor. Don't wait for someone else to show you honor. You take the initiative and you show honor first. Take charge in showing honor and do it continually. Take charge in showing honor. Then you can outdo one another. You know, challenging Charlie is going to try to outdo you in everything else. Outdo him in showing honor. And that could look like at the table, right? Um, I, I don't know about you, but I always seem to get the seat at the table where there's the leg. I have the longest legs in the family. Both sides, I have the longest legs. And I always get the seat with the leg. I'm not intentionally looking for the seat with the leg. It just always seems to happen. Perhaps for me, showing honor would be that I take the seat with the leg and let somebody else have the seat at the top or the more comfortable chair. Or maybe for us this week is to show honor is I take charge and I'll peel the potatoes. I hate peeling potatoes. But maybe for me it's I will take charge in peeling the potatoes. Or maybe I will give up the good chair for grandma or for Uncle Harry who has a bad hip. I will take charge in showing honor to those that I encounter this week. Now Judy may still make a comment. Judgmental Judy may still be critical, but perhaps I can repay that criticism with an act of service. Repay with a compliment. Repay with showing honor towards Judy. And see what happens. There's a lot of different ways that we can show honor. Uh, in July of 2004, there was a flight from Atlanta to Chicago. And on this flight, there were nine U.S. soldiers who were on home for two weeks um, from Iraq. And there was a fellow who was, uh, had a first-class ticket. And he decided he was going to trade in his first-class ticket so that one of those soldiers could sit in first class. And he was going to sit in that soldier's assigned coach seat. That man took charge. Well, wouldn't you know it, eight other first-class passengers did exactly the same thing. So that these nine soldiers could now sit in first class and these guys who had their first class tickets, they sat in the soldier's seats. And one of the flight attendants that was there on this flight, her name was Davila Evans, and she is quoted as saying this, and I love what she says. She says, it was a privilege to be flying with those two groups of unselfish people, those who would put their lives on the line to protect their fellow citizens' freedom, and those who were not ashamed to say thank you. Those nine folks showed honor to the soldiers and allow them to sit in their first-class seats. How will we show honor? Go above and beyond. Take initiative. Take the lead in showing honor to those that we'll encounter this week. Paul continues. He says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I think the reason why Paul writes this is because he wants to remind us that we can get worn down it's tough work being in relationships. If you think about the audience that Paul was writing to during Nero's reign, 
Nero, the atrocities that Nero was known for killing Christians and for persecuting Christians happened the later half of Nero's reign. Paul wrote this at the early part of Nero's reign. So before all of that really bad atrocities were happening. But I have to believe, though, that there was still a period of time here during this, when Paul wrote this letter, that there was already some persecution. There was already talk of, you know, killing Christians or other things. And so Paul is saying, look, despite all this bad stuff, all the evil we're seeing here in Rome, don't be slothful in your zeal. Continue to preach the good news. Continue to show honor. To continue to love one another. Be fervent in spirit. The word here for fervent is like to be boiling up with heat, to be on fire in a good way. Be passionate. Be passionate in the spirit as you continue on. Don't give in. Don't give in. Don't allow yourself to be worn down by those that would say otherwise. Continue. Do not continue in your zeal and be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. And these, these three phrases that Paul uses are not separate phrases that we get to pick and choose. Well, I just won't be slothful in zeal. I'll, I'm going to be fervent in my spirit. These all three go together. And why I believe is because serve the Lord is the central part of this section. And this is why it matters. This is why we're to show honor to one another. This is why we're to love sacrificially. This is why we're supposed to outdo one another. It's because it's in service to the Lord. It's to be obedient to the Lord. The word here for serve is like a bondservant. That I am, uh, it's my responsibility, it's my obedience to the Lord that I'm going to do all of these things. It's, it's like that's just the way that I have to operate. I have to do this in service to the Lord because I'm being obedient to him. That's why I'm going to show honor. That's why I'm going to outdo uh, others. And really it's to him that it matters, Right? I'm not accountable to Debbie Downer. I'm not accountable to Charlie or to Judy or to Ethan or Toby or any of those others. I'm not accountable to my relatives. I'm not accountable to my in-laws. I'm not accountable to my crazy Aunt Sally. I'm accountable to the Lord on how I love those around me, how I love people. That's who I'm accountable to because I'm to obey him. I'm to serve him in my relationships. There are plenty of times where I don't want to show love. I don't want to show honor. I'd rather just escape it all. Go in the back. Find some free Wi-Fi and watch Netflix and ignore the relationships. Why? Because it's hard work. It's not easy. It is not easy. There might be risks involved, right? If I start having a relationship and I know that Debbie and Judy and Charlie and all these folks are here, right? What's going to happen? Well, there's a risk I might be judged. There's a risk that she's going to make a critique about me that somehow I don't measure up again. Or that we're just all going to be brought down by Toby, what he has to say again. Right? There's risks involved, but relationships can get messy and we're called to serve the Lord in obedience and to love them. Because that's who I'm accountable to. I'm accountable to to Jesus as my Lord, not accountable to the unfabulous five, as we call them. See, we are called to love others, not to demand that we be loved in return. Because it's probably not going to happen all the time. We are called to love others, 
not to demand that we be loved in return. So maybe that means we don't wait to be served. We don't wait for them to bring our plate out to us on a silver platter. We don't wait for dinner to be called. Maybe rather than asking, walking into the kitchen, is there something I can do? Because you're tired of waiting. Maybe it's, how can I help you? How can I help here in the kitchen? They might still send you away, but how can I help you? There's lots of ways to go above and beyond, to put ourselves on the shelf and show love and honor towards others in a sacrificial way. That's what Paul calls us to here in Romans 12, and that's what Jesus calls us to. Jesus calls us to love with a self-sacrificial love, that we put ourselves on the shelf and not worry about our own agendas, but to love others. He cont- Paul continues, he says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. We need to rejoice in the hope that we see, in the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that we, we know that you know, the holidays will be over, you know, that there's hope in the world, and we need to rejoice in that hope. So around the, the dinner table, maybe, maybe we shift the conversation to be what? What Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Maybe that's what we need to remind others of as well. Holidays are not to be a time of trouble and affliction, and that's what this word tribulation means, affliction or sometimes persecution. Be patient in it. You know there will be an end to it at some point. Be patient when you feel afflicted. I know for me, my surroundings and my environment tend to contribute to my attitude and how, I per- how people perceive my body language, how I am responding to things, Right? And so when I feel the stress level starting to rise, my guard continues to go up. So if I feel that somebody's going to say something or critique or make a comment or whatever, right, I I have to say something, right? That's not always the best option. Instead, I should be patient. I I think that's what this message is telling me. I need to be patient in affliction and be constant in prayer. Don't try to rebut what Judy or Debbie, or anybody else has to say, but be constant in prayer, patient in affliction. Because when we're constant in prayer, you know, maybe you know this. I I, I do this probably all the time, but when I'm praying in my head, I can be very blunt and honest with the Lord. And nobody else needs to hear. Right? Because I know the Lord can take it. So if I'm having a stressful time and there's folks around, Debbie and Judy or whatever, Lord, if I have to hear that one more time, you're going to have to hold me back. Lord, it's just, you're going to have to do it. Lord, I'm going to confess right now that what's about to come out of my mouth is not going to be good. So I'm just letting you know ahead of time, Lord, I'm going to say something I shouldn't. Or maybe it should be, Lord, give me an encouraging word to say to Toby, or to Ethan. Or, Lord, give me a compliment. Give me grace. Give me wisdom. Give me love and joy to respond to Judy and to Debbie and to Charlie. Because right now, Lord, I'm not feeling very loving with the critique and the criticism and the judgment. 
Give me a word to say from you to reply with rather than making another cut or to try to say something in response. Love, honor, and serve to others. That's, that's what we're called to do. To put ourselves on the shelf and to love and show honor to others in a sacrificial way. I hope that we can do that uh, this week. I'm hoping that I can do that this week. Paul closes out this little section by talking about, he says, contribute, the need, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. There are people that are in need. Contribute to their needs. Contribute to to the needs of the saints. Those that are in the church, give generously to help and support them. But also seek opportunities to show hospitality. This verse that Paul writes is, is addressing both those that are within the church and those that are strangers to us, those we don't know. Seek out opportunities to show hospitality. The word to seek out is actually like to go out in search of. Go try to find. Run after opportunities to show hospitality. And that's what I love about our food drive, the fact that we do it three or four times a year. It's an opportunity for us to show hospitality to help meet the needs of people in our community. It wasn't hard, right? I'm already going grocery shopping. I'll pick up an extra can of soup or an extra box of cereal or an extra couple of things. When I come home, I could just stick those on my shelf, but if I... I, I bought some extra things that I could bring just for the food drive. Why? Because I believe that God has called me to help with the needs of others, and I'm doing it in service to him in demonstrating love and concern for my community. So let's bring this home. Romans 12 has a lot of things to say about how we handle our relationships, and so let's readdress the unfabulous five. So Debbie Debbie, we need to cling to what is good. We need to cling to what is good and not dwell on the evils or the ills of the world. In fact, maybe, Debbie, we should focus on Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Judy, Read Philippians 4.8. Cling to what is good. Don't dwell on evil. Charlie, outdo in showing honor. One him up. Take charge. Showing honor to him rather than letting him just continue to one-up you and everything else. Let him do it. But show honor and respect to him. Go first and do so. Judy, well, maybe we just need to remain patient. Constant in prayer. And maybe the reason why Judy is so judgmental is because that's all she's ever known her entire life. She doesn't know anything different because maybe that's how she was raised. That's what her life was like as a child was judgment all the time. So we need to be praying for Judy and be patient in affliction and be constant in prayer. Ethan, rejoice in hope. Rejoice and, and show brotherly love. It may not be reciprocated as Ethan escapes away into his devices. But show love towards Ethan. Toby, maybe it's contributing to his needs. Helping him out. Asking, can I pray with you? 
there any way that I can help you? Can we meet up again? And I'd love to listen to about what you have going on, how I can help. Again, you may meet these five or you might meet others. But I think the thing to remember is that no matter what, Jesus died for these five people just like he died for you and for me. And maybe God has left these people in our lives or intentionally placed these people in our lives so that what? We can remind them that they can have new life in Christ. Remind them that life doesn't have to be about moping and judgment and criticism and bringing everybody down. Maybe it's about showing the love of Christ in our lives so that his love outpours through us to them. That's how I want my life to be marked. I want my life to be marked by showing love towards one another, to be filled with love and compassion and kindness. That's what I want for my life. Uh, this, this past summer, I attended the Global Leadership Summit. Um, it's a satellite leadership event broadcast from Willow Creek uh, Community Church um, out, in, uh, out near Chicago. And they have thousands of people that attend this. But this year, there was a song that was, was played. Uh, the song is called For the One. And this song, written by Brian Johnson, Brian and Jen Johnson, this song has been, really, for me, has been a prayer. A prayer for my life. And um, there are certain times, if I'm um, in, a, in a spot, that this song can be extremely meaningful for me. And so I want to read you the, the lyrics to this song, and maybe it will be a prayer for you this week, this holiday season. Maybe, maybe you and I, we need to put this song on repeat. I, I don't know. But this song, it goes like this. Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one. The one for whom you loved and gave your son for humanity increase my love. Help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Oh, how you love us. From the homeless to the famous and in between. You formed us. You made us carefully. Because in the end, we're all your children. Let all my life tell of who you are and the wonder of your never-ending love. Let all my life tell of who you are. You're such a good father. Help me to love with open arms like you do, a love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. May that be your prayer. May it be my prayer this Thanksgiving and this holiday that people would not, our family, our relatives, our friends, those that we encounter at work or at home or around the table would not see us, but by our love they would see Jesus. Put yourself on the shelf and show honor and love to others sacrificially. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the, <clears throat> to the needs of the saints 
and seek to show hospitality. Let's pray. Lord, you will be the first to know that I don't get this right all the time. And Lord, I need wisdom. I need you to direct my words, to direct my thoughts in my relationships, God, that I would show honor and I would show love and grace and mercy to those that I encounter because, Lord, it, uh, it, it's hard work. Lord, I pray that um, they would know you because of what they see in me. Not, it's not about me, but it's about you. And so, Lord, I pray for your wisdom and for your grace that when we mess it up, that we can do our best to serve others and to love them as you love them. So we ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.